0: And I invite real people to have vulnerable conversations about how they relate to themselves and what we can learn from that. Today's episode is very special. I get asked questions by Troy. Enjoy. Hey, Troy, you're back. (laughs) It's an honor. So um, for context. You were on the podcast in episode three, which is in the very beginning. Uh, and that's been a while ago now that's, that's kind of interesting. And I remember you clearly expressing the desire almost as soon as we finished the interview that you would like to interview me from my podcast. And I thought that was a really interesting concept. It's also interesting because at least two other people have asked me the same thing. So Mm -hmm. I'm very curious about exploring that. And that's why we are here today. I have no idea what's going to happen. You're going to ask me questions and we'll see where it goes
1: beautiful amazing it's an honor and thank you so much for being up for this uh this feels like a privilege and a little bit of pressure after speaking to people who have enjoyed your podcast so much what would we ask jay and what would we like to find out about joachim so it's Ah. great to be here
0: so am i right in saying that this is actually kind of like already a developed effort on your part it's not just your own curiosity you've actually talked about this with other people and have kind of like brainstormed good questions and stuff. Uh,
1: yes, I- indeed. The question I'm going to, well, I think I'm going to begin with, it kind of came out naturally. But yes, I've spoken specifically to a fan of the podcast and she expressed interest in questions she would like to ask you too.
0: Beautiful. I love it. Bring it on, Troy.
1: <sighs> Wonderful. Okay. So this person I was talking to, we explored this concept of um, what she beautifully called earthquakes, where there is a, a massive thing that happens to us personally, uh, let's say mentally and emotionally, that kind of changes the landscape forever. It has a big impact and whether it's negative or positive or whichever way it's labeled, there's a big shift, which is extremely noticeable. And we looked at how every person has certain earthquakes, things that happen, which kind of fundamentally change, perhaps how they saw themselves and how they see the world from that point onwards. So I would be really curious uh, what comes up for you and if you would be interested in diving into any earthquakes you may have experienced.
0: Beautiful question. Thank you so much. I really like this metaphor of the earthquake. It reminds me of a conversation I once had with someone and she was talking about the changes she was going through. And I remember saying to her something like, wow, it sounds like your tectonic plates are shifting. Mm. And so I guess the the change there, like the gradual change would be those tectonic plates shifting. And then indeed when earthquakes happened. You know, something big, uh, unexpected happens, and then all of a sudden, something changes. So that's a great—that's a great way to phrase that. I immediately have one earthquake that comes up for me. Um, definitely one of the turning points of my life, and that is when I first attended a meditation retreat. So, for context, I had been reading about meditation and hearing about meditation and even kind of like dabbling into meditation for years, if not decades. But I was never able to have any kind of consistent practice. And so I had very little benefits from whatever meditation I engaged in. I didn't really get it, you know. And then one day, I think that must have been around perhaps five or six years ago. I'm not entirely sure. I decided to dive into this for real, and I booked a meditation retreat a whole week. It was a beginner's meditation retreat, just like an introduction to mindfulness meditation in the south of Portugal with a group of people who were there for one purpose only, meditation. And so I did that, and I remember, I think it was the the fourth or the fifth day of this meditation retreat, that I woke up in the middle of the night with a gasp, like a a loud breath of air that was like exploding from my body. And I kinda of like shot up in my bed and I was like, like, what was that? And I immediately remembered that the dream I was having and in the dream I was having, there was this incredibly strong, basically reliving trauma of um, a specific person in my life in a specific kind of situation, and the situation was kind of like a, a composite situation, I would say, right? It was not like one memory of that person doing something specific. Mm. It was a type of experience that we had been through several times, with clearly, which clearly was very traumatizing to me and which was also a reflection of my core trauma, I would say. And so that came up so strongly in that dream. And it felt like a release of some kind. It felt like something I suddenly remembered, something that I would say now in retrospect was like stuck in my body and I had no idea it was there. And because of the meditation practice, I assume that was able to find its way through the surface of my consciousness. And I didn't realize the importance of that event at that time. But that was clearly the start of what i would say has been the healing process of my core trauma there you have your earthquake
1: wow beautiful thank you for sharing and lots of fascinating things come up i think the first i'm so excited about i had no idea about this (laughs) so it's exciting to hear about this wow okay Can I ask you a bunch of questions, kind of dissecting this, because I see so many interesting pieces. The floor is yours. Wonderful. What a privilege. Okay, I'd like to start at the basics. Um, What was this meditation retreat and what were the activities? If we think about around about the fourth or fifth day, there perhaps were some shifts. What had you been doing from the beginning? thinking about particularly other people who perhaps um they aren't getting it as you phrased for themselves right now
0: yeah beautiful um as far as I remember it (laughs) because this has been a while um so as I said it was an introduction into mindfulness meditation so we started with um some lectures basically about what mindfulness meditation is how it functions uh, and then we did some exercises, I think, starting very simply just by breathing, perhaps, and then just sitting with open eyes, maybe sitting with closed eyes, those kind of like very, very basic practices, until going into what I would call like simple basic mindfulness meditation, which is mostly just about noticing when you have a thought, letting the thought go, going back to the breath, and just repeatedly doing that. And so we did that for five or six hours per day I think um, and then very gently over the course of the of the week there would be an addition of concepts such as like the the roots of this kind of meditation in in Buddhist practice where it came from and then also practicing things like more compassion meditation, self-love meditation and going all the way up to, holding space inside of yourself for people that you feel you have tension with right? holding space during meditation for um, certain unresolved tensions that you hold. And I don't remember exactly at at which point my earthquake happened. But I think that was a an overview of what we did that week. And of course, related to this, it was not just meditation, we were also kind of secluded from the world we were in a meditation center in nature there was nothing else around this just hills and nature so besides meditating the only thing we did was going for walks in nature and also all the food we had there was prepared on the premises from uh, vegetables grown in the garden Um, it was all vegetarian so the whole context around this was also very much like a retreat it was not just like as if you would be at home in your in the city where you live and then you go to a meditation center every day no the the whole thing was really pulling you out of society in your daily life and then creating space
1: for for this to to happen beautiful and this sounds very similar to um vipassana is this does this have similar roots was it a vipassana or you talked it, it flowed out into something else
0: yeah it was definitely not a vipassana i've never done a vipassana so i okay. don't really know I've, I've heard about it or i've heard about it this was really something that was very basic and there was a lot of talking involved like the person who led it okay. was kind of like taking us by the hand and it was basically almost a continuous guided meditation right so definitely not a vipassana
1: Beautiful, that's great. That sounds so helpful, such a nice bridge. And for people who don't know, um, Vipassana is kind of the one of the core basic Buddhist retreats, I guess, where you go together for either a weekend or 10 days or a month or longer where you don't speak and you don't make eye contact with anyone else and you give up all of your belongings. And from morning to night, you are meditating um, exactly the meditations that Joachim was talking about at the beginning, really sitting and breathing and getting in touch with what it is you are, uh, what it is that's happening inside of you. So go for it.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful that you mentioned that because I remember now that during that retreat, I craved for something more like that. Because I remember that for me, it was quite jarring to come out of meditation sessions of like three hours and then have dinner with people and the rest of the people in the group just like chatting away and like talking about their normal lives and whatever and making friends and laughing. And that was really hard for me. Like I felt like, wait, this is all way too much. I want to sit in silence here. Mm. Um, So, yeah, it's nice that you mentioned that
1: yeah wow i guess that's really interesting hearing i had the opposite experience i i did vipassana in chennai in india and i even had a roommate that we had never looked into each other's eyes and never even spoken to each other and so there was so much time to kind of sit in that and looking back at it when you say that i'm like yes that that really was nice to have that time but in that place at that time it was so difficult and it was such a craving to be able to just play or talk to someone or distract myself in some way um, that's really really interesting and so i'm really interested what made you go to this retreat so you've tried meditation you've never really got it and then you're like okay i'm gonna go to this thing i imagine there was some kind of hope that it would change or maybe there there is something that i find that fascinating
0: Great question. I don't remember exactly, but I imagine must have been something like, look, I've heard so many people speak about meditation and the benefits of meditation. And I am convinced that there is a lot to gain there for me to actually really engage in a meditation practice. I knew that, but it somehow never happened. And so my thinking was, if I do this intensively for a week, perhaps that will be the kind of like the the kickstart that I need to then develop a practice of my own and so that was a very naive kind of like take on it it's just like you know I want to do this I can't do this on my own let's let's go somewhere and let other people help me to practice this
1: wow I feel that's such a fundamental moment. When we look at like relating to self, it's very similar to the moment someone goes to a psychologist, the moment they start working through traumas. uh, And how did you know? That's a very difficult question, I'm sure. But what makes you invest time, attention, energy? Uh, Was it certain people who had mentioned it and you really trust those people or certain suffering that people mentioned alleviating, you know, you're experiencing that suffering?
0: Certainly not the latter, because at that point I was largely still unaware, I think, of my true suffering through trauma. I, I felt, you know, something maybe was amiss in my life, but I wasn't able to understand where that came from or what I could do about it. So it was definitely not like, yes, let's, let's dive into meditation so that I can access my trauma and heal my suffering. Definitely mm. not. Um, it must have been more like, you know, the people that speak about this seem trustworthy. Mm. And I remember Tim Ferriss was Tim Ferriss was probably part of that. He he spoke about meditation a lot. Um, I think at the time, perhaps I already had tried some Headspace as well. I think Headspace was already kind of like popular around that time. And I think I might have tried it before I went there, but then also you know didn't feel that it could could really keep it up. Um, So yeah, I think it's just a general sense of like, look, it it seems like the scientific consensus here from society and from people I trust is that there is something about meditation that is beneficial for general awareness, for focus, for being a better person somehow. And that was something that I felt was important to me.
1: Beautiful. I love that. That's so you, in that decision-making <laughs> process. And uh, you mentioned Headspace, just for anyone who doesn't know, that's a meditation app by Andy Puddicombe, which is um, highly recommendable to people who have never tried and want to kind of uh, just dip a toe in. He makes it so accessible. You mentioned holding space for people you have tension with. That was a, quite an important moment for you during this meditation retreat. Can you tell me more about that? I think it
0: was part of the the day when we dove into what I would perhaps call unconditional love meditation. This idea that, you know, you can, you can feel love for yourself and the world and everyone without their needing to be a specific way in which people show up or act or anything like that. And then we were invited. I don't remember exactly what the invitation was there. I don't remember if it was specifically like, hey how about you now focus on someone that you feel tension with, and you try to feel universal love for them or something like that? Or maybe it was just more like something like, think about your family, think about your mother, think about your father, like, that would make sense. And obviously, those are the people who most, more often than not, you hold tension with. Uh, But so I don't remember what the invitation exactly was at that point. But it was part of that kind of just feeling love for the world, and then holding one person in your mind and helping them experience that love with you somehow in, in yourself. Which at the time felt incredibly difficult for me, don't, mm. uh, don't get me wrong. Uh, that was like really abstract. I was like, I wish we could just go back to the breathing and uh, noticing my thoughts. Um, so yeah.
1: Mm, wonderful. And, and how does that show up now in your life? Seeing as this was a long time ago and you mentioned that was very difficult at the time. How are you, where are you now in your process of oh. making space for tensions with other people?
0: What a beautiful, beautiful question. Thank you, Troy. This is, this is a gold. Well, my whole perspective has changed about this and I think it's kind of obvious from the title of my podcast that the way I see this now is that it's all about my relationship with myself. And Mm -hmm. so these these people that I would hold in my mind, uh, thinking about universal love or anything like that, are not really people. This has nothing to do with these other people at all. This only has to do with the tensions that live in me and the parts of me that have some unresolved issues. And obviously some of those are projected onto people that have had certain roles in my life, like my mother, my father, and so on. But I now realize that it has nothing to do with them anymore, like at all. It is simply me making space for something in myself. And I still do that. It's one of my core practices, whenever I feel attention. I look into what is it that I feel tension around inside of me, which is there a part of me who feels tense about something specific, like where does it come from? And then very often now I don't even engage in a conversation anymore with those parts because that used to be one of my practices where I kind of like um, ask questions to these specific tensions or parts. But now I find that very often the only thing that's really needed is attention is presence, just being there for that tension, showing up to it and letting it be <laughs> just witnessing it. Um, so I would say that is my current understanding of my process. That's, that's where I'm at, uh, mm-hmm. in this moment.
1: Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. And I have the privilege of being very close to you in in our personal lives in my everyday life and so i had the privilege of seeing how this shows up in your life how consistent you are with this how much you walk the talk and the impacts especially having a close relationship with you the the benefit of that of you taking responsibility for that tension and really creating space for that creates or I guess reduces so much the violence I would receive that would be considered normal to, to engage with someone in a way that they have in some way created the tension or in some way that has to do with them. And it's so beautiful to be on the receiving end when someone manages this in the way that you manage this, it's really inspiring to behold. Um, and it is incredibly, incredibly peaceful. And I think that's what makes me most excited about this whole relating to self concept that you work on that you're doing the podcast on that you that you do um, these weekly programs on. Uh, I think that's the great, great value there is not just the peace and and reduction of suffering to yourself, but how much it reduces the suffering that we unknowingly put on other people. So thank you so much for the work you do.
0: Yeah, thank you for reflecting that. I I would love to add that also, and that's something we spoke about recently, I think it's so necessary in the sense that it's hard to see this very often. I know for sure that I have not had examples around me in my life of people who actually behave this way or Mm -hmm. who show up to themselves in that way. So the extra difficulty I found I had in developing this was that I didn't know what it looked like. And so now I think part of why I am doing this podcast and every, all the work I'm doing around relating to self is I be, it's because I want others to have access to an example of what that could look like. Like, hey, indeed, like you say, this idea of violently interacting with others through, of course, 100% having that violence inside of you and how you communicate with yourself. And then seeing how someone does it differently and approaches themselves with kindness and with compassion and how that manifests in the world. I hope that will inspire people to to look inside of themselves, but but also to actually enable that work, um, because now it becomes possible by seeing it in the outside world.
1: Beautiful. Thank you so much for doing the things you do. Please continue. (laughs) you mentioned how you didn't get it, right? You went there and you had tried lots of things, but you didn't get it. So I'm fascinated to understand what, what then did you get? And was there, if there was a moment where, aha, I do kind of get this.
0: Hmm. I think there's two aspects there. There is the, um, the technical aspect of habit creation, I would say. And then there is the deeper understanding of the why, and I would say going to this meditation retreat obviously helped me with the first one. Meditating daily, and then because I already knew that meditation was meaningful and helpful, I wanted to engage it in it more often. So it's it indeed kickstarted my own practice, my own habit of meditating daily that's uh, i would say the the practical technical aspect of what i got like ah yes now i can do this it's be, it's become more easy for me the other part was more difficult and i needed more time for that because as i told you this earthquake moment of of waking up in the middle of the night with this huge release of of trauma um i i couldn't really make sense of that that quickly i don't remember exactly how that transpired afterwards, but I'm pretty sure that months after that initial earthquake, I was still kind of picking apart what that meant and trying to make sense of it. And so my understanding of weight meditation is a tool that puts me in a state of mind in which apparently tensions present in my body or subconscious can find their way to the surface just by giving space. That was an understanding that came much later. Mm. So in the beginning, I was still just going through the motions of like, yes, I'm going to meditate every day because I know it's beneficial. So let's do it. And of course, on a superficial level, it helps. If you just sit down and breathe for a bit, you feel calmer. You feel a bit more grounded. You feel more focused, whatever it is that was beneficial in itself. But that was not the true benefit of meditation. And it took me much longer to come to the conclusion that indeed that was part of that.
1: Wonderful. I can see I'm I'm formulating a question that I would like to ask you as we come to wrap up this, that we'll come back to this. Thank you for that. So before I come to that, I want to touch really lightly on two massive, massive, massive concepts that you mentioned here, which I think when we talk about relating to self, when we talk about earthquakes, these are the things that change everything (laughs) and this is something that everyone creates i guess their unique process for for engaging in so the two concepts were um, your core trauma and then the second was the healing process so i have a lot of uh specific questions that are, that part of me kind of wants to dive into it i'm not going to do that now perhaps uh, if people are really interested in this and you feel comfortable in the future we'll, we'll dive in deeper but right now what if someone what if this is the first time someone's heard court as the first time they've heard healing process what what would you speak into around this? Why are these important? What impact do they have? And what potential benefit is there to getting acquainted with these things?
0: Wow, that's a lot of questions. And they're quite broad, aren't they? Like, this is massive. I think that before we even explore the concept of core trauma, I think maybe it would be helpful to speak about trauma. Sure. What is trauma? So if I encountered someone who has no idea whatsoever about trauma or about healing their trauma and they're interested, I would probably say something like, you know, trauma is basically things that get stuck in your body, your nervous system not being able to process certain emotions, certain experiences, those experiences or emotions getting stuck in your body and you not knowing that they are there. And because of those tensions and those, those things that are stuck, you engage either in some um, behaviors that might not be great for you. Uh, those might manifest, for example, in certain patterns you have and how you relate to others. Um, maybe you feel that you're stuck with, with the way you have like a love relationship, because every time you kind of find that you attract someone who has certain characteristics that you actually don't like and then it's hard for you to interact with that Mm. that might be a manifestation of some kind of trauma that is stuck in yourself Um, it could also be just physical ailments it it could be stuff that just happens in your body that isn't very healthy especially when you think about the gut something we've been talking about recently Uh, there's so much going on there and, and the way that stress acts on the body or that stress actually sits in the body is so important to not to understand, because I don't understand it either, but to to pay attention to, I would say, right? So if you define that concept as trauma, as something from the past that you haven't been able to work through completely, that your body or your nervous system is not done with, and that you need to access now to be able to just kind of like shake it off, literally, that's kind of like what it's about. And then I think that would give people... um a certain basic understanding of what trauma is and how it could potentially manifest in their lives. Hmm. And then when you go to core trauma, then you could probably explain like, look, there is probably some kind of trauma in your life that has defined you in a certain way. Usually, that's the kind of trauma you have with your primary caretakers or one of your primary caretakers, right? That's kind of like what usually happens. And then you can go into how that core trauma probably has become part of your identity. At least that's what happened for me. And that's what I assume happens for most people. The ways that you start coping with your core trauma or the the things that you have developed in your childhood, in your early life, to be able to survive whatever core trauma was present, become what makes you you in a certain way. And this is not necessarily negative. Um, There are negative and positive aspects. Every kind of behavior that you have developed to survive is in a way manifesting because it serves you. It literally saves your life. It helps you survive certain situations. And very often those things will also give rise to beautiful things, to a certain creativity, to a certain sensitivity, to certain aspects of life, which can then help you even like develop a career, which happened to me very clearly. My, my main method of dealing with the separation that I experienced because of my core trauma was to go inside of myself and create a world that was nourishing for myself. For me, that happened in sound. I was Mm. sensitive to sound for some reason. And so I started going inside of myself and creating all these wonderful sound worlds in which in which I could feel safe just being with myself because my environment wasn't safe, because I felt I wasn't able to express myself to communicate with uh, people around me. There was no way in which I felt seen or heard. So I had to give that to myself and that became this inner world that was very developed and very creative i would say and that is i believe why then later i became a composer at first because i tapped into that potential that i had of creating those sound worlds that i created as a safe space and then i took that and made it into a career in in art in expressing myself and obviously well this is quite beautiful, but also um, a bit painful, I guess. The idea that because I wasn't able to express myself throughout my core trauma, throughout my childhood, I then completely went the other way in, in adult life and was like, this is all about expressing myself. The only thing I'm gonna do here is find new ways and beautiful ways of expressing myself and letting people experience what it is that I think is interesting to experience. For me, that was sound. But of course, it could be writing books, it could be anything, mm-hmm. or it could be many, many other ways in which this manifests. So I just want to make clear that the, the, the methods that people develop because of their core trauma, in my thinking, aren't necessarily only negative, right? This is just something we go through. And then through the process of starting to heal that, I believe we can come to be better humans to ourselves and to others and releasing ourselves from the neurotic behaviors or the patterns or the reflexes that we have because of those traumas.
1: Mm. Wonderful. I I love that you go there pointing to the neuroticism of that, uh, that how something as you describe so beautifully using music or creating the safety around this internal world of sound and the particular you chose sound as the particular journey to use that for how, when that is completely subconscious, when that is completely automatic and you don't have a distinct, um, like almost tangible relationship with yourself, that can become so destructive. It can create so many, so much anxiety, so much stress, because the idea of using that thing or letting that thing go is wrapped up so tightly in healing your trauma or in providing you what you didn't have. And I see so many people getting into a situation where they, that's the worst thing that could happen is to lose that thing. And when I look at you and your life, how you've created so much space for yourself to adapt into other things as your relationship closer closer to yourself it's really beautiful to see how this kind of awareness, and I'm, I'm projecting quite a lot here. I, I look forward to in the future, asking you direct questions, seeing this is indeed true. But from what I observe, it seems the, the closer you get to your relationship with yourself, the more it becomes like, yes, there are all of these different things that make me feel a certain way that create comfort, create safety because of my traumas and what I experienced. But almost directly relating to those trauma parts, like I am here, though. I I can provide you that safety. I see you, I hear you, and that is such a direct channel (laughs) instead of the huge elaborate worlds we can create in which if I create, for example, the right kind of sound journey or the right kind of experience and people perceive it in this way, then I can get that thing, which I think to me, like so many things you're saying, really points to the true value of relating to yourself. Like what the power of, releasing yourself into being able to do whatever it is you actually want to do instead of being (laughs) tightly wound and very very dependent on a certain outcome because if not you're just going to repeat your trauma again so thank you so much for going into that and there's Mm -hmm. so many different things that i would go from here i'm aware of the time i know we don't have a ton of it
0: yes i would like to add something because you said something that i think is really important you said something like you know i may be projecting and I look forward to asking you direct questions to figure out if this is true. I want to point at the fact that I know nothing. Everything I'm telling you now are stories, right? I have all these stories about how I developed myself, what happened, why, how I healed myself, All these things are basically projections of myself about myself. So I think your projections are one step further removed. And if you ask me direct questions, the projections will get closer to who I am, but aren't necessarily true. And I try to keep that in mind always. I try Mm -hmm. to have this awareness of like, look, my story of self is exactly that. It's a story of self. It's a story of what happened to me, what I remember, how I overcame that, You know, the the hero's journey of my life, basically. And I want to make very clear that this isn't necessarily factual. This isn't necessarily true. But I believe it's important to own my story. And that is something that I have only recently learned. In the past, I was so confused about this because I often thought it's important that we deconstruct the stories. And it was some kind of like a search for truth. Mm -hmm. a search for like what is what is truly true now i'm much more comfortable with the idea like well maybe there is no like true truth underneath all that like what exactly happened we can't we can't possibly remember we can't possibly know but what is important is that my story is mine and i have to own that story and i have to own how i treat myself and there lies the power that we have over our lives is how we rewrite our own story.
1: Beautiful, Jay, beautiful. I'm so glad you speak into that. It was something I was gonna mention that the, the benefit of hearing these conversations isn't that you learn about Jay's life or learn exactly how he relates. It's that you get some kind of permission to look at the, your own difficult things and be like, hey, that guy, seemed really like allowing, he seemed really gentle. He seemed really kind to that part. And that's exactly, I think what you're speaking into now, like the benefit of what can come from that, which is so, so, so powerful and on the receiving end, that completely makes sense what you're saying about, we really, really have no idea and I see also for myself, like, it doesn't matter, like, I, I would be happy for you to completely make something up that you thought wasn't true, that helps me be gentler with myself, if it helps me reduce the violence towards myself and others around them. That's great. In my perspective.
0: Yeah, I guess the, the thing I would say is always find your path, find your way. I think what you what you say is beautiful, this idea of like being more gentle to yourself, being kinder to yourself. I think that's a good guideline. But how exactly that happens, that's up to you. And even what that means is up to you, because I'm pretty sure there are things that you think are kind to yourself that I would perceive as not very kind to myself. So we all have a different perspective of how it is that we want to treat ourselves. And this evolves also, right? This like changes all the time. I'm, I'm so aware now also of like the changes that happen in me. And I stopped resisting those changes. I stopped fighting those changes. Um, Some weeks ago I was in Egypt, different environment. I felt like a different person because my body wasn't able to do many things that I'm used to because of the heat and just because it's a different environment. And surrendering to those changes in the moment became part of my journey. It became like being kind, also meant seeing who i am right now and so yeah it's a journey and for everyone listening this will be different in any moment it's not just like you shouldn't try to be doing what i'm doing you should try to do your thing but be aware that your thing will change
1: yes i love that so much And I hope people listening really let that sink in. That's so powerful when it comes to compassion, self-love, providing space. It's how are you? This is something you talk about so often. How, what is real in me right now? What is happening right now? And how can I be compassionate to that? How can I be forgiving to that? How can I be loving to that? And that is one of the things out of all the things I get from you, one of the most difficult and most rewarding things is continually being present with how am I showing up now? And can I be compassionate to that instead of continually judging it with how I thought was the right way in the past?
0: So true. And this, this brings us back full circle almost because this, I would say, is the essence of mindfulness, right? When, when I speak about mindfulness now, it's having that awareness of like, wait, where am I at? what is real for me right now. Not getting lost in stories about myself, but trying to remain in the moment, trying to be true to what is. And like you say, that is so difficult. (laughs) It is the one practice that we will have to go through for our entire lives, I imagine.
1: Mm, Absolutely. And what comes up now, as I definitely want to mention is I've I've done so many different types of meditation, so many different everything, and it was a few weeks ago I think that you gave me the best definition I've ever heard. And I was asking you, like, as I'm want to do every now and then, ask you what are your current morning routines because you're always doing something fascinating in how you relate with yourself. You're always like exploring uh, a new way, new new blind spots, and you say now it's quite simple. I'm just meditating and doing some other things. I asked you what is meditation look what does meditation look like for you right now and you said something to the effect of um, sitting with what is and I found that just so <laughs> so wonderful about how how directly it points to where the, the value is where the thing that really helps with where compassion and self-love comes in is sitting there with what is and I think immediately after you told me that I was I was heading into my meditation and I did that. I was like, okay, cool. I usually have these kind of things that I do, especially getting in touch with my body, getting in touch with my sensation, and that's great. But then I kind of sat there with what is right now, and there was immediately things coming up that I think I would have bypassed. Hmm. I think I would have ignored or or just given some kind of meaning to in another frame but just sitting with what is right now created this massive capacity of complete allowing like and then a a beautiful gentle curiosity in like okay show me troy what what is right now it is happening and that stuck with me and thank you so much for that
0: yeah my pleasure really
1: (laughs) i would like to uh, there are so many things i would love to dive in deeper i'm not going to do that now I'm we can do this again sometime Try. <laughs> wonderful i would like to though wrap up before i give the last word to you um we've been to so many places so many really deep impactful places during this uh, conversation i think if i was listening to this what I would really love to finish, to, to kind of end with or understand once leaving this is are there any really simple exercises that I could implement into my life? You spoke so beautifully about habits and then the why. So in either of those two. What exercises would you give to people? And if I may, this is so me to just keep adding on more and more and more. <laughs> I apologize, but I accept me and I allow it. <laughs> um, there were two specific things that I would probably, well, I would love to have exercise around. The one was basic meditation. What would an exercise look like? It looked like? And then. Sitting with these tensions that we first looked at as sitting with tensions about other people, and then we dive deeper into no sitting with tensions in yourself that you're projecting on the world around you.
0: Yeah. Mm. Thank you for that question. Well, I think the, the first one is really very simple, and I'm just going to iterate what everyone always says. The simplest form of meditation for me is just sitting and breathing and kind of like paying attention to your breath. And that could come in the form of paying attention to where you feel the breath. Is it your nose? Is it your belly? Whatever happens there. That could be like paying attention to your rhythm of breathing, to the depth of breathing without trying to change anything. And then once you kind of have done that several times, I would then add the very simple layer of indeed noticing when you're distracted from the breathing, noticing where your focus is going. Am I still paying attention to my breathing? Oh no, I was thinking about the laundry that I have to take out. And then just returning to the breathing, I think that would definitely be the place where I would start. And I think indeed, as we mentioned before, Headspace does that very, very, very well and is great. So if that's what you want to try, um, give that app a shot for sure. The other thing, sitting with the tensions. One very, very simple practice that I think anyone can always do um, is what I call my forgiveness ritual. And it's really about that, but I guess it's phrased a bit differently and it's extremely simple. You just sit down, you make it a ritual. So maybe this is um, not necessary, but I'd like to quickly say that rituals are things that you uh, bring your attention to, things that you have an intention for and things you do repeatedly with that framework, things can become ritualistic, right? So it's nice to to have that framework in mind when you do these things, do them repeatedly, do them with a specific intention and do them with attention, like be really there when you do them. And so sit down, take a piece of paper, write down, I forgive myself, I forgive myself, I forgive myself, then tune into your body, or your mind, or whatever feels comfortable for you. Mm -hmm. And whenever someone or something appears that you feel tension around, immediately just write down, I forgive Troy. And after that, write down again, I forgive myself, because I feel that forgiveness is as much about me than about the other person, because it's Mm -hmm. always an interaction, right? It's always a dance. If there's something unresolved, it's because you both weren't able to resolve this. So I will go like, oh, Troy comes up, he said something last week, I felt some tension, I forgive Troy, I forgive myself, next person. And just keep doing that until the paper's full or until you run out of people (laughs) to name. And then I just end with, again, I forgive myself, I forgive myself, I forgive myself. That's the first step. The second step is then I take that paper and I just read it aloud. And that's one of my core practices that I, that I like to give to people, is like the, the power of the voice, this idea of voicing things. Writing is beautiful, it's wonderful, but for me, making it heard in the world, transforming that into sound, into vibration, literally, in the world, has a much bigger impact for me. Just, there's different levels there. I'm not going to go into that now, but like hearing myself say those things is powerful. And I just read the paper. I forgive myself. I forgive myself. I forgive myself. I forgive Troy. I forgive myself. And I just read that like slowly and without any kind of extra practice there, just reading it and hearing it. And that's it. And at the end of that, I'm done with this ritual and that is a beautiful and simple way i think to start accessing the tensions that we carry inside of ourselves and trying to release them
1: wonderful so powerful so powerful and i love how indeed it was you in your meditations that sparked this change in me of beginning to say things out loud And I've now come to the point where it is quite regular for me to speak out loud to myself, especially if I'm stressed, like, you're okay, you're okay. I love you and we're safe. And the impact this has is incredible. So I was slightly resistant to this at first. So I think I want to say to anyone who feels slightly resistant to it, if you feel a curiosity, um, I would highly recommend playing with it and giving a shot because it can have some some surprising, surprising outcomes.
0: Beautiful. Yes. Let's bring this to a conclusion. Troy, thank you so much for doing this. I enjoy this. I think it is meaningful. Let's see where this goes. I have a question for whoever is listening to this. I know that Troy had some really good questions that I loved answering. And I'm curious, if you're listening to this and you like this, Or you don't like it, maybe that's even more interesting. Do you have any questions? If you have any questions, please let me know. You can send an email to my assistant Stella. Uh, You can reach her at Stella at relatingtoself.com. So that's S-T-E-L-A at relatingtoself.com. Just send her your questions and then I will find a format to answer them. In some way. I don't know how yet, but we'll figure it out. Troy, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. And
1: until next time. Thank you so much. I'll speak to you soon. If you've enjoyed
0: this conversation, please subscribe to the podcast. You can also read more of my thoughts on Twitter. I will post a link in the description. And if you are interested in improving your relationship with yourself, please subscribe to my email list at relatingtoself.com. I will then send you meditations, rituals, practices, and more of these beautiful conversations. Thanks.